This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, June 11th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a correctional officer for BYU Logos, Jerem Jordan. Listen, if it's 2020 and you're still using tan, I have an issue with you. And the you is Lindy's Magazine. Come on! Lindy's, on their page, put tan logo Cosmo on Y Mountain thing. Come on! Not right! Tan stinks! And stinks. That hasn't been part of the logo scheme since 2004. It has been 16 years. What are we doing? We still bought the magazine. They got our money. What are we doing? It's okay. Uh, Sometimes that logo shows up in other places. So ESPN will use on, say, College Game Day. They'll use the primary logo and a secondary logo. So they'll get the Sailor Coog in there, right, which is the secondary logo. Sometimes tan creeps in there. It just does. You know? So we're trying to rid the world of uh, a massive mistake from the past and uh, move on and be better. I get that a cougar's fur coat is tan or that light golden brown, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to use it in the logo. Right. It's not a toasted marshmallow. Let's just come on. Let's move on from that. Although that sounds very delicious right now. Are we more upset about the 63rd ranking or the tan in the logo? I say it's probably the tan, right, Ooh. based on the yeah. strong reaction? Yeah. A couple of years ago, the quarterback jackets were tan. They still had them, and I thought, <laughs> what are those doing on the sideline? What are we doing? Like three years ago. Yeah. What are we doing? It's been 16 years. Let's clean up the logos, huh? Uh, here's today's show lineup, and we've cleaned up for you. Jerem had an epiphany, and quite mm-hmm. frankly, yeah. It's the content that I show up every day for. Yeah, right after the show. So we're going to talk about it. How it relates to the future success of BYU football. Plus, BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess back on the show. The Cougars just added another Power 5 opponent. When will the schedule be complete? Plus, the best where 28 did something Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill Mm-hmm. Never did. Mm-hmm. And our deep blue feature with the kid from Compton. Amazing story, Uriah Leatawa. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU Football releases a statement in support of Black Lives Matters featuring numerous players. They encouraged others to be the change. My brothers have many colors. My brother bleeds the same color. My brother embraces my differences. My brother stands with me, not against me. My brother helps me in time of need. My brother stands for justice. Stand up and take action. Don't wish for change, be the change. Don't wish for change, be the change. Don't wish for change, be the change. We've watched inequality, racism, and oppression by the system for far too long. We are tired. We want justice. We want justice. We want justice. Stand with us and help bring justice to the heinous actions that reoccur too often in the black community. Stand and bring justice and equality. We're all one and all part of the human race. No matter who you are, be the voice to those around you. Don't be blind to the injustice and the inequalities in our country. This is for George Floyd. This is for George Floyd. This is for George Floyd and the countless others who've died from the hands of injustice. Let's all come together and be one and stand for what's right. We need everyone to help make change. This can't be done alone. This can't be done alone. This can't be done alone. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. 
Amen to that message. Wow. And this was not something that uh, came from outside the team. It was from within the team, approved by administration. Malik Moore wrote the script, and they wanted to do that. So what an outstanding ba- yeah, that was very cool. Awesome. So nice, right. Nicely done, guys. And well done, Malik, uh, on writing that script. Back to the headlines now. BYU basketball set to play in the third annual Jerry Colangelo Classic in Phoenix, Arizona this December. A one-day quadruple header on December 19th featuring four West Coast Conference teams. Of course, BYU to take on Arizona State. Gonzaga, preseason number one team according to ESPN, will face Texas Tech. What a matchup that'll be. San Francisco and Grand Canyon and Northern Arizona plays San Diego. That's going to be fun. Uh, will BYU be in a bowl game that weekend somewhere else? Who knows? We'll find out. ESPN names the 1984 college football season as a round one pick of best seasons in college football history. Mark Schlebaugh says the season included two of the most legendary finishes in sports history. With Miami on the wrong side of both. Doug Flutie's Hail Mary, he goes on to win the Heisman. And Maryland's 31-point comeback. Uh, Mark, you forgot something of note that season. Come on, man. Brigham won the title. It's the last non-Power 5 team to do so. Uh, other round one picks include the 1990 season. Ty Detmer Heisman. BYU season. Man. And 2007 seasons. BYU won 11-2. and two. So uh, all three of those picks were uh, really good. Fourth and 18. <laughs> Indeed. Iconic BYU moments in all of those seasons. The PGA Tour is officially back. Live sports in America. Back. Former Cougar Zach Blair and honorary Cougar Tony Finau tee off in the Charles Schwab Challenge today at the Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. Blair and Finau both tee off later this afternoon. Sports are back, Jerem. Yay! To a degree. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Eureka! A moment of enlightenment has graced us in Studio B, specifically... A Jerem Jordan epiphany. My colleague declared he had one of these moments on the show yesterday in regard to the immediate future of BYU football. So now it is time to enlighten us, my friend. What do you have for us? Okay, three things. The epiphany, the expectation, and the names. The epiphany is this. BYU has way too many experienced players coming back for us to expect them to win seven games or fewer. Just as I look at the roster... And who is going to be potentially starting? I see way too many upperclassmen starters for us to expect something low. Now, I'll get to why we expect something low okay. in a second. Okay. But it brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU has a projected 10 upperclassmen starters on both sides of the ball. That is a junior or senior on both sides of the ball. Okay, so that's the epiphany. Now, yeah. that stat through these uh, moderate blue goggles looks really nice, Jerem. It's, it's, it's not a thing that requires the glasses. It's just going to happen, whether you like it or not. I'm just saying it looks good through the goggles. Yeah, well, they all look good through the goggles, don't they? <laughs> that's the idea of the goggles. Uh, okay, that's the epiphany. The expectation. It's got to be eight-plus wins for BYU now. It just does. Are you going on record? Yeah. BYU football will win eight or more games. Yeah, we Does should this include a bowl game. We should expect eight plus wins with the amount of juniors and seniors that BYU has. Okay, in that's regular the regular season? I don't know. Just in the season. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, it's going to be 14 wins when BYU wins the national championship <laughs> in the playoff, right? Okay, the names. So, part three, the names. Uh-huh. Look at this. Say like quarterback, Zach Wilson, junior. Okay. Well, what about Jared? 
Zach Wilson is going to be the starter. Running back, Devontae Henry Cole, Lopini Katoa, senior, junior. Wide receiver, Gunnar Romney, Dax Mill, Neil Powell, all juniors. Tight end, Bushman, senior. O-line, Christensen, Saliapaga, MP, Hodge, junior, 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 senior. D-line, Kyrus Tonga, senior. Linebacker, Kafusian Fonua, seniors. Cornerbacks, Wilcox, Mandel, Ellis, senior, junior, junior, safety. Anderson and Warner, senior, senior. Listen to all these guys. Now, those are the parts three. Part four, the reality. Injuries happen. That's part of the issue. But it's a senior-heavy team, right? Lindy's uh, projects 10 of 11 starters on both sides. I'd look at it and i go, I agree. On offense, it's Blake Freeland, a sophomore. And on defense, it's Peyton Wilgar, a sophomore linebacker. Everyone else is a junior or senior. Why wouldn't we expect BYU to do better? Now, there's a certain urgency associated with being a senior specifically. Ask the BYU men's basketball team last year. And I would like to highlight not the obvious big three, but guys like Dalton Nixon and Zach Selyus and the influence they had on culture and execution on the court. It really helped, right? So what if BYU summons their best selves out of an upperclassman group? Now, we, here's, here's, and here's the reality of it. We are jaded by the last three seasons of four wins, seven wins, seven wins. Understandably I, jaded. Right. No, I, trust me, I'm jaded a lot on this show. Trust me, I'm, I'm Mr. Jaded sometimes. Post Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, it's not been the same, right? But what did 2016 provide us? Isaiah Kafusi said it. He said, I feel like this is our most uh, experienced team since 2016. I think that experience will give BYU one more win than they would have. We're looking at it just without looking at who the experience level to some degree. We're just looking at names and skill. And, and I go, looking at the schedule. Right, and the schedule. Of course, of course. You don't have to tell me that. <laughs> I think that eight should be the expectation based on the experience BYU has come back. If BYU was in the Mountain West, and this was, you know, a couple years ago, we would say, oh, I think this is a 10-win season. We would say that. But right now we go, eh, the schedule and injuries and, well, the last year is the inconsistency and the group of five issues and da-da-da. I just, I just look at it. Yesterday I looked at it and I thought, wait a minute. Why don't we expect eight-plus wins? And I, I get why you wouldn't, but I think we should look at it and think that there are eight wins there. Jerem, I'm going to do something that I'm pretty sure I've never done on this show. That's impossible. You've done everything. Mm, I've never given you a standing <laughs> ovation on the show. Oh, wow. For that take. This is very exciting. This is the affirmation I've always sought. I know it. I know it. Standing <laughs> ovation we, for that we, epiphany. Why don't we do the show standing like Wolf Blitzer? Can we just stand behind the desk one Welcome day? Welcome to the steam room. Yeah. No. <laughs> stand one show. I don't, just mix it up. Then you become the news. Okay. Well, that, well, here's the real issue. Then our camera operators actually have to move. Because <laughs> right now I'm just sitting here. They can just hold still. Eight wins or more. I am on board for it. Yeah. I went in thinking, okay, BYU is going to win at least seven games. Because yeah. I am of the opinion they will figure out a way to win at least three of the Power Five games. Because the emotion will be there. The Cougars will get up for those Power Five games. they got six of them. They're going to win three of those. I was concerned about the group of fives. But you know what? experience should reign supreme. There's only five group of fives, by the way. Experience should reign supreme against the teams you're supposed to beat. That is something that BYU has not had in the recent past against those group of five teams, those weird games on the road, Eastern time zone. Now BYU has experience. Yeah. Frankly, we're saying BYU has no excuses. Like, it's time. This team, this roster, the experience they have. My next question is, though, 
Does BYU have the depth to sustain injuries and still come back and be okay? And Depends on the position. I think in multiple position groups, they do. BYU has that at linebacker. They have that in the secondary. They have it at quarterback. They have it at quarterback. Which is the most important They one. have it on the offensive line. And they probably are okay at wide receiver if a guy or two go down as well. I disagree on that one. Really? But yeah, because we don't have we have three dudes that we hope are going to take a step up. But after that, we don't know. See, like Neil Keanu Powell, Hill, there's no expectation. See, right now. I'm I'm high on Keanu Hill, and Neil Powell coming back made me feel a little bit more comfortable about the depth at wide receiver. Right, but you're saying, yeah, I'm comfortable with depth of guys who haven't done much yet so that that's saying a lot about nothing okay. at the moment right uh, yeah i'm with you i want keanu hill to be uh, amazing neil Powell hasn't played in a year we expect him to be solid right who's the 700 yard guy on this team you know is it gunner, gunner <laughs> receiver not tight end yeah that that's a question mark kicking game is a question mark jake goldroyd really struggled down the stretch skylar southam transferred to utah defensive he struggled. line defensive line can be why you get they you know we're uh Bottom 20 in sacks, you know, and Havoc rate was uh, 11th worst in the country and whatnot. So, yeah, it, I, no, I'm with you. There are legit questions. Schedule, injuries, depth, duh, duh, duh. I look at who BYU has, and I go, why wouldn't we win at least eight here? And here's the thing. Am I asking something insane? No. I'm asking for an eight-win season. What BYU is this where we would not expect eight? We're in a weird uh, zone here for BYU football history where we expect a lower level season than we have in a long time. To go into multiple seasons in a row and to say we expect seven wins is weird, dude. But that's because the schedules are consistently getting harder. But as you brought up, everyone's like jumping on my agenda here. The experience BYU brings back plenty of room. Okay, go three and three against the Power Five teams. Yes. Go four and one against the group of five and beat your FCS opponent. Beat North Alabama. Live on BYU TV. And go eight and four in the regular season. Is it that far fetched with the no. experience? I've been saying That's not crazy. I, I've put it specifically on the offensive line and the quarterback. I've been saying, hey, oh, BYU, typically they're pretty good when they bring back an upperclassman quarterback, and they've got a bunch of upperclassmen on the offensive line. So I went there with the two groups. Yeah, but sure. you have pointed yeah. out there is experience all over the roster. I, Only making everywhere. me feel better about BYU is going to be good because they have an upperclassman quarterback. No, they have upperclassmen, period. Yes, and winning eight games is not a notable thing. It when would it, be against this schedule, and well, it would be because us, BYU no one else because BYU hasn't done it the last three years. Yes, I'm talking outside the program. No one looks at an eight win team and goes, "Wow, that's awesome." No one cares if you win single digit games. No one cares unless you won, you know, two or three the year before, and you just make this massive like five or six game leap, right? But that's a uh, rate of improvement uh, thing. That's the Damon Stoudemire Award. We, we expected nothing, and you did something. So here's an award that Mark Pope should have got. That's the Damon Stoudemire Award. But in this case, I'm not, I'm not calling for 10 wins. I'm calling for eight. I know, but at one point I'm you were saying. I'm calling for eight. At one point when we initially looked at the schedule, you said, hey, just get to a bowl game, six. You have changed your stance significantly. Two games more. Yes. Two wins more. As you learn things, you should change your ideas. Two if thumbs you, up. If you feel like you're going to have the same ideology your entire life. You are one stubborn person. Jeez. Yeah, I, I look at the roster and I go, wait a minute. I've learned something here, so I've changed my thought process, right? I we're, appreciate we're, it. We're going through that with the 
social injustice in the country, right? And that is a more serious topic. But this one is, yeah. Why wouldn't we think that an upperclassman-led BYU could at least be an eight-win team? I don't think it's crazy. I'm here for it, And I hate that this is where the standard is currently. We're like, dude, eight (laughs) would be good. It's like, oh, eight would be bad back in the day. I like it when you call out people for being stubborn because you're stubborn. Oh, that's I'm, part of what makes you great. I'm crazy stubborn. <laughs> Absolutely. But I have self-awareness level 100. I know what I am. Yeah, I ain't no Russell Westbrook. Come on, man. Jerem, the road to eight wins or more starts on September 3rd. Hit it. Countdown to the youths. 84 days. 84 days away. And it feels like the season is going to start on time. Yeah, we have no, no, we have no reason to think otherwise right we'll now. We'll see how yeah. many fans are invited to attend the games, but yeah. it, it's happening. And potentially one month from today, if the NCAA says, yeah, this six-week thing, because six weeks from July 11th is when BYU plays. So we could be a month away from an extended fall camp for BYU. Wow. We're waiting are on we a vote that, from the oversight committee. Are we that committee. close? Our question of the day BYU has a projected 20 upperclassmen coming back as projected starters in 2020. How does that change your expectations for the upcoming season? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Grizzfather response, this is what we've been waiting for since the senior-laden, experienced team with Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill left. Get a solid group of upperclassmen to stay healthy, and it could be that magical season we've been wanting for a long time, said I, most BYU fans. I don't believe it will be magical. Magical to me it, against this schedule in this era would be 10 wins. Magical like something crazy, is right? finishing ranked in the yeah. top 20. Yeah, at our director, BYU. FPI projects five and a half wins for BYU. So if you think BYU is for sure winning eight, there's probably some money to be made. Now, we would not participate in that money-to-be-made portion. That's up to you. But, yeah, let's go. Let's just win A-plus. Let's go. Coming up, best aware at number 28, Lavelle Edwards' first great player. BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess will join us. When will the full schedule be released? And the full roster, for that matter. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow, we explore the amazing 1981 BYU men's basketball run to the Elite Eight with Danny Ainge and Fred Roberts, Greg Kite, and others. It was awesome. Tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation, the 1981 Reviewables. We are live in Studio B, and this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We are now joined on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline by BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess. Chris Welcome back to the show. First and foremost, how does it feel to be back in your actual office? It feels great. Um, my kids couldn't be more excited to kick me out of the house because they were tired of me telling them what to do. But, no, it feels great. It feels great to have some sort of normalcy to see our, the assistant coaches and the head coach that I work with every day and, and to kind of, you know, in passing, see our guys as they filter in and out of the gym um, and do their voluntary workouts, both on the court and in the weight room. So it just feels like something's kind of slowly getting back to normal, um, which is fun. Is uh, your wife or are your kids more excited to have you out of the house? 
<laughs> you have to bring her on and ask, but I would say pro- probably my kids. I, I've been putting them to work a little bit. I've been putting them to work a little bit, which is, you know, part of the deal, part of the deal being a dad. And so I bet they're just like, we've done enough. Let me get on the iPad or let me get on the video game. So, but it's been good. It's been actually, you know, assistant as coaches and other jobs out there, like you're away, right? You're recruiting during this time, especially in the summer and you're, you're on the road. And, and so I've really taken advantage of just being home and doing work from there, but also seeing, seeing your kids a little bit more. And cause in my back of my mind, I'm like, this is going to end soon and we're going to be, I'm going to be back to normalcy. And so I want to take advantage of, of these seconds. Right. And so it's been fun for me. Let's address the elephant in the room. And as BYU TV, we're connected to the university. We can't ask you about recruiting. I know there are a lot of rumors. There are a lot of potential news there, but so we, we can't even ask you when something's official, we'll have you on and we'll talk to you. So that's out of the way. Arizona awesome. State was a non-conference game that was announced yesterday, and that's a good one. They've been top, you know, 63 and yeah. 54 the last two years. This quadruple header, uh, December 19th. Uh, what do you think about the news of that matchup and that day? Oh, super excited! First of all, Bobby Hurley and ASU's got it rolling. Um, they've beaten some really good teams in non-conference, and like in his career there. You know, I think Kempon they finished top 70, 75. Last few years and this year, I think right now they're kind of preseason in the top 70. Um, they're going to compete. You know, they've gotten some really good transfers, an Ohio State transfer, um, a Portland State transfer, uh, whether they need waivers or not, right? Those guys are coming in. They got a big time class, right? They got Marvin Bagley's brother, Marcus, coming in and the top 10 recruit, Josh Christopher, out of, out of LA. And he's a big time scorer, considered a one and done. So we're looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a great venue with some big time teams. And it's going to be a fun atmosphere. And Alex Barcelo gets to go home and play in front of his, you know, family and friends. And Wyatt Lowell gets to go home and do the same thing. And so we're hoping Cougar Nation shows up because we know Sun Devil Nation is going to be there. And we're just really excited to play a conference like this and get another chance to go against the Pac-12 team and just show everyone what we can do, right? And then we're excited. We're, I can't tell you how excited we are to play a team like this. Always nice to see another big-time Power 5 team on that schedule. By our count... Uh, with nine official non-conference games announced and two others reported for a total of 11. We're guessing that there are four-ish more to be announced. Uh, so w- what do you know about the schedule and when will it be full and officially released? Yeah, it's getting close. Um, we'd love to get another big-time team on that schedule. Um, and it's, you know, I don't want to say it's complicated, but there's some things you got to do, right. To just communicate with other schools and seeing if the dates work and seeing if the location work and the, the venues are open. Um, but it's, it's really close. And I just know BYU is going to, going to love this. The fans are going to love the schedule and it's going to be just as difficult as, as last year. So that, that, that's our hope. Right? Right. And that's what we want. We want to play against the best and we want uh, quadrant one opportunities, quadrant two opportunities. You know, we want people talking. We want the BYU basketball buzz to continue all season long because because once we enter conference play, we'll be we'll be battle tested both on the road, at home, neutral site, and we'll be ready to rock. You are what you've done recently, and so when people look at BYU, they see net nine, and that means it's a, you're you're not that team per se, right? You hope you are, but uh, quad one for everybody you play. So, is it easier to schedule after last year? I think so. Um, nobody wants to come to Merritt Center. They, nobody, <laughs> right? Um, I shouldn't say no, but some teams would talk to. It's just difficult. It's at times can be difficult to bring them there because it's hard to win here, right? It just is. It's the truth. And so um, I think a lot of a lot of teams kind of looked at it too at the beginning when we started the scheduling. Like, oh, they're losing Yoli and Jake and Tej, right? And Zach and Dalton. Let's put them on the schedule and 
as guys like Matt Harms have come in and, 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 and things like that, it's, just, it's been a little bit more difficult, right. In terms of scheduling, right. Trying to, trying to get BYU, um, to play some, like you said, it's another, maybe a quadrant one, but that's every team in the country is doing the same thing. Like every team's coach, scheduling is not easy. And, um, coach Robinson and coach Hodusky have a tough job. <laughs> While we can't address specific recruits, uh, what is what is how is recruiting grow, going in the pursuit of finalizing the roster? It's 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 going. Um, you know, you know, it's no secret we've, we've been chasing the portal a lot. Check, you know, just, just to see kind of who's in her, and you know, we're, we need a, we feel like we need another ball handler out there. And well, I will say this: we love what we have right now in terms of our roster, our set roster. We love it. We think we're gonna be we think we're gonna compete at a high level. Uh, we feel like we can add another kind of a big time player and maybe another ball handler. Uh, we think we think we can be a juggernaut. We really do. We think we can be a really good team. Uh, I think it's going to be. We have a hard job as coaches um, <laughs> when you have when you have that deep of a roster. It, it, you know, it makes your job a little harder because there's going to be some pressure on us, and we like it. And Coach Pope, no, if you guys know Coach Pope, he loves pressure. So we feel really good about the roster. We're actually recruiting right now. Uh, we'd love to get another ball handler. And if we add a couple more pieces, we have a chance to be really special after losing arguably three, three, like, you know, all time greats, right? TJ, yeah. Jake, and you know, we, uh, hard to replace those guys, but we're going to do it and we're, we're going to find a way. So we're super excited. BYU basketball assistant coach, Chris Burgess with us on BYU sports nation. Uh, it's been well documented, especially on this show that your basketball career involved and benefited from a transfer as did Mark Pope's. Yeah. So why is BYU such a destination hotspot for transfers now under this staff? Um, yeah, I think that when we're recruiting kids that are transferring, um, I, I can speak for myself. I think that um, I can speak the language to the parents um, about what their kid's going through. Maybe, you know, whether it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, I've sat in the, the recruits' shoes. And so I, I, th- I feel like I can kind of talk to them and, and, and feel, feel them a little bit and talk their language about, you know, what they're going through or what happened. Um, I do like the, I do think that transfers um, and staying older makes you really good, right? You're, you're bringing in a, a player from like a Matt Harms coming from Purdue. He's been so well coached the last three years by a, a great coach in Matt Painter. So you're getting a guy that, you know, has these voluntary workouts, that's, that's a, you know, you're getting a leader, an older guy, right? And so we love that. We love, we love older players and we love guys that come in and, you know, they, they've been through, transfers have been through it, right? They've played at high major universities, they've been through it, and they know what's important and they know what matters, being successful collectively and individually. And we like that. We, we, we like that there's less stuff that we have to coach or deal with, right? Because these guys come in, like Alex Barcelo come in, he's, he was at, you know, the top of the top playing with the number one player in the nation and DeAndre Ayton, he's like, no, I know it's important. It's basketball and sacrificing yourself and having no agenda and winning. Right. And so we love those kind of kids and we speak that language. And we've had a lot of player stories in our, and you know, coach Pope and last five years, both at UVU and here of players transferring and having success, right. Brandon Randolph was with us at, from Xavier at UVU and he's, he's on his third year professionally doing really well overseas. Right. And, and so we've, we've done well, we can sell those player stories of we've done well with transfers. So it's a number of things. We, we, we like the chip on their shoulder. We like their crooked pass. We like that we've been able to fix guys and fix, fix guys' games and fix guys' minds. 
and, 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 and we sell those stories. And so we just relate to them. And so it's worked for us. We won a lot of games at UVU and it's worked for us. And we're going to keep doing that now. Hey, we're going to chase fr- uh, high school kids too. I think we have great incoming uh, f- freshman class two years from now. We feel really great about, um, I think about down hall and Richie Saunders and Tanner tools. Man, we feel so so hyped for those guys to get in here in two years. We're going to chase the best players we can to put a put a big time product out for for the BYU fan base. We have a whiteboard in our office that we share, and we have the projected roster for the season, including some of the missionaries. And we were breaking that down this morning, and we were talking about those three you mentioned in uh, in yeah. Richie Saunders and Dallin Hall and Tanner Tills. We we're like, oh, dude, a couple of years ago that'll be fun. It'll be great. So t- tell us about so the fun. the fun issue you have of figuring out not only development but Who's going to get playing time and how of yeah. the front court this year? And people see yeah. Wyatt Lowell and they see 6'10 and they think front court. He's a, he's a backcourt player, right? A stretch four. But <laughs> Matt Harms, Richard Harward, Gavin Baxter, Colby Lee. I mean, th- this is going to be fun for you, right? Oh, man. I like the So when Matt committed, I got all those guys on FaceTime, like Colby, Gavin, Rich. I got them on that FaceTime join group chat. And I was just like, we are going to be the best front court in America adding these guys, adding Matt. This kid's coming here because of you guys. He wants to play with you guys. And, like, that's a, that is our mentality going forward, right, that he's going to push you, you're going to push each other. I feel like we got length. I feel like we got athleticism. I feel like we got a couple bruisers um, with big Richard, Harvard, and Colby, who's coming off his best years as a player. Um, it's going to be so fun and competition brings out the best of us. But if our guys, this year's roster, and this is where coaching comes in, can buy into the way Dalton and Zach did, we're going to be special. We're going to be really special. Um, Gavin and Matt play three feet above the rim. So, you know, there's, I mean, we're some, we have some fun things to do. We're excited. Richard's going to, I call Richard a seeker. He's always just seeking contact. There's seekers and avoiders. <laughs> Richard's seeking contact. Everywhere he goes, he's just like, everywhere he goes, he's seeking contact. The OU Nation's going to love this dude. He's, they're just going to love him because he, he plays so stinking hard. And so we're, we're so excited. Like, I, I can't tell. I've I got a great job. I, I think that um, I'm very lucky to be able to coach these kids because they work hard. They want to be here. And they're just great kids. Chris, uh, in the case of Matt Harms, a a couple of things. One, have you ever had to stare up at a player that you've coached? (laughs) And two, what do you expect from him? Um, I'm not going to lie. So, obviously, if you're a college basketball fan or you watch college, you've seen him, right? Especially during that their their Elite Eight run. And he's got plays with all his emotion and his hair is, you know, pretty famous. And so, I've I've been watching him the last couple of years. And so, when I first met him and he got on the campus here, I was just like, yeah, he he is he's large. He is really tall, and and I'm six eleven, you know, two fifty, right? So I'm pretty big, but he he's huge. It's if you watch his film and you see how big it is, and and I I can relate in a sense where I understand how hard it is to move as a big guy. The way he moves out there for his size is just so impressive, right? He's got a great touch. He plays above the rim. You know, when he dunks it, his feet are basically hanging on the floor. Um, I think he can. I think he. I think he's gonna be able to bury threes the way Dalton and Yoli did, right? At times, I think that. Um, I think he's going to be so good on the balls when he rolls, being able to throw it up to him, be able to catch it, whether it's score or pass out of it. I expect this guy, I expect a lot of things out of this kid. And I I know this kid came here um, to win and to be continue being developed as a pro. And like I said about Purdue, he's been well coached. 
He's been well coached and he's been played with some great players and some great leaders. He brings it every day. Like, you know, our offices are connected and we, we, we and I can hear his voices at times and just the leadership he has, or the hype that he has down there. He's just so excited to be here. And our, like he fits in perfect. We're, we're really excited, obviously. Chris, we're amped, man. We're counting down to football season. That's 84 days yeah, away. But after this conversation, I think we should start the basketball countdown. I think it's 151. I think it's 151. Yeah. That what it is? I like that. <laughs> Great stuff, man. We wish you uh, the best of success as uh, your players continue their voluntary workouts. And, uh, again, it's good to have you back in your office. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You got it. Chris Burgess on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Seeker, isn't that in Quidditch? It's the bludger. Harry well, Potter. Well, there's a seeker, but then, like, yeah. Richard, he reminds me of the bludger, the thing that just yeah. destroys things. Yeah, basically the uh, the goon in uh, hockey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> With skill, though. I love I, it. Highly skilled goon. Coming up, the story of the BYU defensive lineman who went from Compton to Provo and is expected to have an impact this fall on the defensive line. And the best to wear 28 ran his way to history in a way that even Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams couldn't catch. This is BYU Sports Nation. Get to know the players, coaches, and some compelling fan stories. Search Deep Blue on the BYU TV app today. All 23 from last year are on there, including one we will air later in the program. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation, and this is The Whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. ESPN names the 1984 college football season as a round one pick of best seasons in college football history. I think BYU won the national championship that year, didn't they? They did? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Insider Mark Schlebaugh stated the season included two of the most legendary finishes in the sports history, with Miami on the wrong side of both. Doug Flutie's Hail Mary and Maryland's 31-point comeback. Other round one picks included the 1990 season, which included Ty Detmer's Heisman Trophy campaign. Oh, yeah. And 2007. Hashtag magic happens. Men's basketball. BYU will play Arizona State in the third annual Jerry Colangelo Classic in Phoenix on December 19th. Part of a quadruple header featuring West Coast Conference teams in all four matchups. Gonzaga, Texas Tech, we call that the Mac McClung Bowl. Arizona State versus BYU, that's Jimmer versus James Harden. Uh, Reunited San Francisco Grand Canyon and Northern Arizona versus San Diego. We'll break down BYU's non-conference schedule as we know it currently later in the show. Golf. The PGA Tour is back. Live sports in America, people. Former Cougar Zach Blair and honorary Cougar Tony Fino playing in the Charles Schwab Challenge today at the Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. Good luck to both of them. Softball. Two players who named the West Coast Conference All-Academic Team in Taylor Williams and Riley Jensen McFarland. Five other players were honorably mentioned. I should mention, I'm a sophomore watching Copper Hills beat Garner Meads and Brighton for the state championship. And at halftime, they bring out the All-Academic all, uh, all state uh, guys and out walks Spencer Linton from Northridge High School. We didn't know each other, but we were in the uh, same building hanging out, man. It's my claim to fame standing next to Garner Meads, receiving my <laughs> in his jersey. All state award. And yeah, he was, he's in his jersey. He was I, about to lose to Copper Hills. I unfortunately was not in my jersey, and I was in the stands. Wish, wish I would have been. <sighs> Stupid Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball. Three BYU players named Academic All-West Coast Conference honorable mention. They are Brian Call, Danny Jelilich, and Jaron Hall. Oh, Jaron Hall's not busy. <laughs> what? He's, he's all academic, too? That's fantastic. Yeah, he, he, you know what? Settle down, Jaron, okay? Yep, Jaron. Jaron and Jaron. We're going to do a podcast. Jaron and Jaron. That would work. Yeah. Bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99. One number each show determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at Brigham Young University. Today we hand it off to number 28. The man 
is Pete Van Valkenburg, perhaps one of the greatest uh, you know running backs in BYU history. 1972 was Lavelle Edwards' first year as head coach. And guess what Pete Van Valkenburg did in his senior year? Lead the nation in rushing. With 1,386 yards, he was an AP third-team All-American. But I thought all they did was pass when Lavelle took over. Gary Scheide comes on a recruiting trip that fall. He sees Pete Van Valkenburg lead the country in rushing. And Lavelle Edwards saying, yeah, we're going to pass the ball a lot starting next year. And he goes, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, 12 touchdowns, tied for eighth most in a, a season. That number, 1,386, still the second most rushing yards in a season ever in BYU history. Luke Staley's 1586-01 is the record. So Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams approximated but never passed that number from Pete Van Valkenburg. Uh, he had six yards to carry that year. Of all players with 150 carries or more in a season, only Luke Staley and Pete Van Valkenburg averaged six or more in a season. Um, pretty awesome, right? Uh, he played in three postseason games that year. He was drafted by the Saints, played a couple years, mainly as a returner in the NFL, a little bit in the CFL. He's in the BYU Hall of Fame. Pete Van Valkenburg. Yeah. Fleet Pete. Yeah, he was Getting awesome. it done man. in 1972. That's hilarious about Gary Scheide. Yeah, Lavelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh-huh. we're going to throw it a lot. Yeah, you are. He's leading the country in rushing. He'll say anything to get me to come to Provo. Gary won the Sammy Bother next year. <laughs> Coming up, a look at the BYU Hoops non-conference schedule as it stands now. Plus, Deep Blue with the kid from Compton. How did Uriah Leatawa end up at BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer, are you looking for a new phone wallpaper? Always. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, Kiki and crew provide some new backgrounds based on the top plays from the past season. Watch it and all episodes of BYU Sports Nation right now on the BYUSN social media platform. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in the studio, Bizzle. This week's Deep Blue segment highlights BYU defensive lineman Uriah Leatawa and his journey from Compton, California to Provo, Utah, and BYU, plus how he and his family overcame adversity and challenges along the way to find that success. This is Deep Blue. My brother's name is Uriah Dillian. But we call him Lopa. The name after my dad. So we can remember my dad all the time. During the game, <laughs> everywhere he goes, Lopa is the one. We never call him Uriah Dillian. I'm from uh, Compton, California. I was born and raised there. Both my parents immigrated from Samoa. This is where uh, the cousin got shot at, right? Uh, walking from school. Oh, that boy. Oh, yeah, Steve, right there. Right there. That's where he got shot at. It, it was harsh, and it was. And it was something that I never really noticed until I got a little bit older. I went home for Christmas. <laughs> I heard sirens, and I was like, oh, sirens. And, like, I was shocked again. And I was like, wait a second, that's normal. I think it all grew from the love of our parents. It all depends on you. How are you taking care of the stuff and live here in the city of Compton? And that's why I told my kids, whenever, whenever you guys are ready to go, you can go, but I'm going to die here in Compton. And also I told my son, and also my kids, wherever they go, he has to stand up tall and say, we are from Compton. Because we're proud of this city of Compton. 
I mean, despite everything going on around us outside of what, you know, things that like gunshots or robberies, whatever, we always felt like we were safe here in our home. Now we're going to the high school. We're going in. Okay, so this is Dominguez. The football program at Dominguez, I felt like it was a tight brotherhood. And I felt like despite everything that the boys were going through outside of school, the football program allowed them to feel like they were at home, a second home for them. I didn't play Pop Warner growing up. I didn't actually play um, like all the way up until I got to high school. Actually, my parents were like kind of against me playing football. They're very protective and... Yeah, they were more interested in school, and I see that more than uh, the way they brought me up. Lopo is always serious about school. That's one thing everybody knows. Uh, Lopo is always uh, always get mad over a B or A minus. He's always wanted A plus, A plus. We even gave him a nickname, called him the dictionary, because uh, there was always uh, words we never understood. Any words we didn't uh, get or understood, we always asked Lopo. With all the sacrifices that my parents made, it kind of it was like a no-brainer to just go to school. And then compared to our peers here in Compton, they were kind of had like part-time jobs or um, odd jobs. And then our parents didn't really want us to work, but just to focus on school. Everything was focused around education because I feel like they didn't have, you know, that growing up back in the islands. So when they came here, they, they knew that it was the only way or one of the possible ways to, you know, possibly get out of Compton, I would say. I know it was hard, but I know it's all paid off. When you see them um, graduate, then you know it's not just them that graduate. We graduate. Because I know, um, I always tell my children, if you fail, that means I fail. If you success, we success. But I say this to my son all the time. I'm so proud of you. And I love you so much. He's standing up tall to represent us, to make our family so proud of you, son. And I love you so much. 25, straight back drop for Guadani. Pocket collapses. He's going down. Uriah Leatawa having himself a game. Drops Guadani back at the 32-33 yard line. Loss Honestly, my dad is like the epitome of hard work for me. He honestly does so much for us. I remember um, he'll wake up early mornings to run papers. And then he'll work in the meat factory in the day. And, um, and he'll pick up pallets at night. And that was early on in their marriage. <clears throat> and then eventually he, he was blessed enough to get a really great job that he's had since then. And my mom, man, she's my hero too. Because when my dad was gone, my mom took care of us. We would have to stay after school for these after school programs. She would just wait for us. I mean, the way that he was raised, you could, you could tell that he comes from a great home. Parents are really, uh, you know, guided him the, the right way. And what the things that he values really tell a lot about just his family and, and, and the place that he comes from. They put me through the entire public school um, system. I'm a Compton Unified School District kid from elementary to high school. I'm so happy and proud of where I'm from. 
It does not define me, but it does make me stronger. Another great story, fantastic family, and Uriah Leatawa, uh, to his credit, not just seeking to become a great football player, but he is an outstanding student in the classroom. Yeah, majoring in business. Uh, Pro Football Focus says he's a potential breakout player this year. So excited to see what he can do on the defensive line. And he's a good dude. When he signed, we were very excited Mm. because it was between Stanford and uh, BYU, obviously a a great student and a great story. You know, they're – it's it can be tough from Compton. Obviously, there's a there's a history there, but he uh, he has done a tremendous job being an influential in his community and his family. After that, Deep Blue came out, won an award in the city. Uh, they were recognized, which is pretty wow. cool. So nice job by uh, Uriah and his uh, family. Awesome. Okay, coming up, rising shout out to pronunciation. <laughs> Plus, a close look at the BYU basketball schedule. Is it trending to be as difficult as last season's schedule? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation continues with this daily reminder. Our show, available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and or BYU radio apps. And you can download the podcast by Googling BYU Sports Nation Podcast. It is time for a basketball schedule edition of Dope or Nope, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. All right, Jerem, with the BYU basketball non-conference schedule, sitting at nine games officially announced and two reported games is a combination of 11, dope or nope? It's pretty good. Uh, I, I think I need another potential tier one or two game on there um, to push it over the edge. Uh, BYU did something last year they probably won't do ever again. They played three of the top four teams in net. <laughs> a total of four games, two with Gonzaga, right? I, like, that was wild. That was awesome. So, three of the top four teams in the national rankings, for that matter. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Tulsa, Boston College, George Mason in the Junkanoo Jam, Utah Valley at home, San Diego State away, that's a good one. Uh, Utah at home, Boise State at home, at Utah State, Arizona State neutral, reported Oregon neutral, that's a great one, uh, in Portland. Weber State uh, reportedly neutral as well. So four more games uh, expected to be announced. Only one of these two teams in the last two years uh, is is in the top, well, two have been in the top 35 on average the last two years in net, and that's Utah State and Oregon. So there are a lot of teams that you hope are better than they have been. Looking at that schedule, I think BYU right now has three, maybe four legitimate quad one opportunities. Name them. Oregon in Portland at Utah State. The Aggies just have to be a top 75 team yep. at San Diego State. Ask Texas to be a top 75 team. And then hopefully Arizona State is top 50 because that is neutral. Yes. That would be four quad one games. That'd be good in the non-con because you know that at Gonzaga, home Gonzaga, and maybe one in Vegas would add to that. St. Mary's, you always hope, is top 75. Then that's a road game at least. So they, that'd be enough, right? That'd be enough. Seven you, or eight, yeah. Yeah, seven or eight is where you want to be for BYU realistically in West Coast Conference play. So... That's good. I, I think it's good. I'd love to see one more splashy name on there. And then Big go Ten there. team, like at Michigan State, or maybe there's a Kentucky or a North Carolina or yeah, a Duke. Yeah. Listen, I'm still waiting for the oh my gosh game on the schedule. The the blue blood we've talked about. You know Mark Pope's going to do it at some point. 
whether it's this year or it's soon. And Chris Burgess told us earlier in the show, based on what they hope the roster will be, and they still have a scholarship or two out there. BYU we think has... we can be a juggernaut, yeah. is what he said. Yeah. Wow! We're all about that high, but Let's holy go. shnikes. BYU's got the two best Pac-12 teams, at least projected on the schedule right now. Oregon and Arizona State. Pac-12 is good at basketball again. Arizona, what are they, they're not good anymore? They're good. What happened? <laughs> Alex Marcello, they're, they're, they're going through some troubles. Yeah, Nico Mannion's out of there. Our question of the day. BYU football is projected to return 20 upperclassmen starters in 2020. So how does that change your expectations for the upcoming season? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at CL underscore living. Experience teaches me not to expect too much. And one or two more wins isn't too much. It's, it's not too much. Yeah, eight, eight, eight wins. Let's go. When BYU's gone four, seven, and seven in the last three seasons, I'll take eight. Holy yeah, cow. let's go, though. I had an epiphany, and it's going to happen. Eight plus wins. Let's go. Say eight. Today's rise and shout-outs. Uh, Kesney Telsinga, former BYU football player, in response to a tweet from someone about not knowing how to pronounce Polynesian names, highlighted a few people, among them the two of us, who he said were on point with the poly names. I feel like they worked hard to know all the players' names, to say them right. Certainly not 100%, at least for me, but we're at least trying yes. to say this. So uh, appreciate the uh, nod. And, yeah, we have, one, we have one thing to do here, and it's to say the names correctly. So if we mispronounce them, let us know what's correct, and then we'll do it right. Credibility largely lies as a broadcaster in your ability to pronounce names. Here and play-by-play especially. Yeah. My rise and shout-out goes to Malik Moore for writing the script on the BYU Football Black Lives Matter video produced and sent out yesterday. Outstanding stuff, of course. Jerem. Yeah, that was awesome. I love and support you. Uh, we thought that was fantastic. That was great. And I love that that was player-driven, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the university has put out statements, but the players wanted to gather and to say this uh, together. And I thought it was really well done. Our thanks to today's guest, BYU basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess. Started Dennis Pettit. ran out of time. Uh, the conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. A reminder... Tomorrow, the Reviewables 1981 BYU Basketball airs on BYU Sports Nation. And a shout-out to Norm Dixon. Go Cougs. Hello. She didn't even bother to say goodbye.